So before I start with my teaching today, I do want to share at least my heart with you concerning the spiritual gifts. Matt has addressed the notion that we might be in all different places concerning the work of the Holy Spirit. And for me, it's easy to grasp the work of the Holy Spirit within me. Sanctification, right? Conformity to Christ, that's, that's easy. But it could be harder to grasp his work through us because there might be some barriers, and we prayed about that as men uh, the other day, barriers that impede us and stop us and um, just, like, stop us from, from going farther in faith. Or maybe excesses that we've seen, right? Or even some of you might believe that it doesn't even exist for this day. And we've talked about that, right? In 1 Corinthians 12, which we've been in, Paul tells us that we shouldn't be aware of the spiritual gifts. We should not be unaware, I'm sorry, of the spiritual gifts and the work of the, of the Spirit. The word gift here in my Bible is italicized, which means it was added later. And it was to help, I believe, that the translators... Um, the meaning of Paul's words. Rick did a study and uh, a preaching a while back, uh, it was a few years ago, about the word spiritual in that first chapter. And, and it was a word that stands alone, and it means pneumatikos. It means relating to the realm of the spirit. The invisible sphere in which the Holy Spirit imparts faith Revelation and power. It is the expression of the life of God in the community of the saints. In Luke chapter 8, we see that Jesus encounters a man with many demons. Jesus exercises at least four gifts of the Spirit in this chapter. Discerning of spirits, deliverance, healing, and salvation. I'm going to read verse 34 through 38. This is after what happens, right? He delivers the man. The demons go into the pigs. They run down the hill, and they get drowned in the water. I'm taking it from there. And when the herdsmen saw what happened, they ran away and reported it in the city and out in the country. And the people went out to see what had happened, and they came to Jesus and found the man whom the demons had gone out, sitting down at the feet of Jesus, clothed in his right mind, and they became frightened. And those who had seen it reported to them how the demon-possessed man was made well. So they said, this is really cool. Why don't you hang out with us for a while, Jesus? Did they say that? What did they say? Could you please leave? When God shows up, guys, it's unsettling because he is God and we are not. But I want to finish this story. In verse 39, the man looks at Jesus and says, can I go with you? And he says, no, go home. You've been out in the tombs for however long, shackled up. Go home to your mom and dad. Go home to your wife and kids. We don't know. 
I'll ask him when I see him in heaven, who'd you go home to? And he went away, proclaiming in the whole city what great things Jesus had done. And Jesus left. You need to go. This is unsettling. This is frightening. It says in Hebrews that it is a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living God. But the story doesn't end there. I don't know the time difference between verse 39 and verse 40, but this is awesome. Jesus came back, and the multitude welcomed him, for they had all been waiting for him. I wait for you, Jesus, to come back. There are certain things I want to tell you guys. I was born into a kingdom of power, one that changes hearts and changes circumstances, and I echo Paul's words. The gospel did not come to me in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. And I, the things that we've been talking about, healing, prophecy, words of wisdom, words of knowledge, I've experienced all of those. To me, it's part of the kingdom. Open your Bibles to Romans chapter 12. And now I'm going to get to my teaching. That was my introduction. When God shows up, it's pretty awesome. For he is so good. But before I read Romans 12, guys, I want to give you a short synopsis of Romans. I know uh, there's some young people here that are going through the book of Romans. I'm not, Seth, I'm not going to jump on you. For you, the book is probably better than my little synopsis, but listen. Chapter 5 says this in Romans. Jesus who died for sinners brings peace to God and brings the believer new life. Chapter 6, faith unites us with Jesus and the power of sin is defeated. Chapter 7, we have been set free from a dysfunctional relationship with the law. By the way, it wasn't the law's fault. It was our fault. And if we try to follow it with our own strength, we will keep falling short. Chapter 8, guided and compelled by the Holy Spirit, we can live righteous lives now. I'll say that again. We can live righteous lives now, even as we look to the ultimate transformation that Christ gives. Chapter 9, 10, and 11, there is only one plan of redemption. Not one for Israel and not one for us. It is Christ and Christ alone. So let me read Romans chapter 12. 1 through 8. It's the New American Standard, the true translation of the Bible. <laughs> ESV is really close, so if you're following, you're good. I urge you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, I'll stop there. Chapter 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11. Now we're here. To present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. 
And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. For through the grace given to me, I say to every man among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment, as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. For just as we have many members in one body, and all the members do not have the same function, so we, who are many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one of another. And since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let each exercise them accordingly. If prophecy, according to the proportion of his faith. If service, in his serving. Or he who teaches in his teaching. Or he who exhorts in his exhortation. He who gives with liberality. He who leads with diligence. He who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Lord, I pray right now in your name that you would open our eyes to faith in these things, in the work of the Holy Spirit through us. Not only for this body, but for who we prayed for today. The ones that we will meet. Lord, strengthen us in the understanding of the work of the Spirit through us. We love you. We thank you. You give good gifts to your children, Lord, through the Holy Spirit. And we honor you in Jesus' name. So, um, when I preach, I usually come here on Saturday and I preach to the chairs. Yeah, I do, because it's, it's just easier for me. And uh, <laughs> I got done with my, the first one and I looked up at the clock and I go... That was really horrific. I'm going to do it again, Lord. So this is the third time. (laughs) So I'm hoping third time is a charm, okay? So Romans 12 highlights the social and community aspects of our salvation. We come to God a new creation. That's one and two. And offer ourselves to him and for him. Also, To the community of believers, our hearts are changed, our minds are changed, and we look for ways of pleasing God through humble obedience and the exercising of our gifting for one another. We move from self-serving to community serving. With the exercising of these gifts through grace, the life-giving power of God is experienced in many particular acts. And I'm going to talk about I'm going to hone in on one act, the power of giving. The power of God enriches and enables our lives through concrete actions taken by all members of the church for the glory of God and for the benefit of others. I want to talk about the supernatural gift of giving through the Holy Spirit, a gift that goes beyond the realm of the material. Paul states that he who gives, and I'm going to talk about giving, with liberality. With liberality, I believe, is the power of the Holy Spirit. Because we're supposed to give, aren't we? It's funny. I, uh, have you ever like tried to jujitsu God with your words? He's very good ver- with verbal Aikido. 
I one, time, I one time looked up and I go, how come you always ask me to give? How come? You know what he said? Because you do. Uh, okay. <laughs> Tap out. I had nothing to say. So the word that he says here with liberality means open-handed. But the better translation of the word is a cloth that is unfolded all the way. No folds, no creases, no nothing. It's wide open. And that's what he's saying to us on how we give. So I thought to myself, the culture of giving is in us already. When you become a new creature or a new creation, the, you already give. It's already in your nature because you've been changed. God gave first to us his son, his salvation, his grace, his love. Giving now is an act of worship to him. It is our faith put into action, giving. And it keeps our focus on him and the kingdom. Jesus said, where your treasure is, your heart will be. It brings thanks and praise to God. It demonstrates our love for one another when we give. By the way, God owns it all anyway. That's what Romans 12.1 says. I'm here. And it is an act of obedience. But that's not what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about the supernatural gift of giving. Something that goes far beyond what we'd think, like handing the guy at the street corner the five bucks in your wallet, which is good. Every time I do that, I always ask him his name, and I always go, do you know God? And if he doesn't, I just go, well, bless you. God bless you. But I, I usually see the guys again, and they don't remember me, and I do the, <laughs> the same thing over again. I'm not talking about that kind of giving. I'm talking about a specific power encounter with God to give above and beyond what you think you can do. And the, the word of God shows this. So I want to kind of define it, and then we'll, we'll hit the scriptures. So number one, God moves on somebody to give for a specific task or reason or purpose. Do you believe that? We have done that already. Do you know that? When Rick came back from the Middle East, he brought us a story of a young woman who had seven kids. Three were going to be put out of the home because she didn't have enough money to deal with them. Do you think we have those kind of stories here? So what's so different? So when he brought that, our hearts were willing, but there was something more specific to that and to what our, we gave. And by the way, we're still giving. What was the specific thing that God wanted to do? She got saved. She got, she got saved out of Islam into, into the kingdom of God. And then we have no idea what our giving does past that. We will see it someday. But do you think she's probably telling people about Christ? 
And how about her children? We have no idea that that fire spread. So I believe that was the specific reason. Not just to save her kids, but to bring this lady to Christ. Number two, it has nothing to do with the amount. We're going to look at that. But with the heart and who we give it to. So when I give it to somebody, it's not to the person, it's to him. Romans 12, 1 and 2. This gift also motivates others. It, it, it energizes the church to look upward and outward. The, the gift deals with self in the church. It deals with yourself. It keeps our eyes focused, not on this world, but the world to come. And this gift reminds us and compels us to say no to materialism, which is fading away. It is a gift that promotes humility in the church. It deals with our pride. If you've received this type of gift, it humbles you. I mean... And, and I'll talk about that. It, it humbles you. But also, if you are asked of God to do it, it humbles you. Why would you use me, God? How could you ever use a dude like me with all his issues? It, it humbles us. And it collectively builds faith in the church. So let's go on to some areas that I think we give. Seth, first, our time. Giving and investing our time to God and to others. Ephesians 5, 14 and 16 says this, Awake, sleeper, arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise. Make the most of your time because the days are evil. The most of your time also means redeeming the time. Paul is not saying here the redeeming the time. Paul is not saying here the idea is minute by minute, hour by hour, day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year. However, that would be good advice. That's not what he's saying here. In, in other languages, you know how you have the, uh, the accent? The accent's not on time. The accent's on the, this word. The word is kairos. And it means a definite season of opportunity. So redeem the time. If I could do it like in Spanish, right? Redeem the time. So I'll give you an example. We can say, uh, and we'll use the word, the harvest. The harvest. The harvest is coming. That's not what Paul's saying. The harvest is now. That's Kairos. It's now. So move. Get going. Right? The Holy Spirit will highlight times of opportunity to give yourself to him and to others. He will highlight now is the right time. And because the days are evil, the opportunities we have to give ourselves can be swallowed up by the business of life, 
and our worldly activities, and if we go with the flow, we can miss some amazing moments in God to push back darkness, to help disciple others, and to even bring the gospel to those who are waiting. We had a home group. A guy came. uh, We didn't know him, and I've, I've told this story, and he didn't know the Lord, so this whole home group was just honing in on him, honing in on him. This is, what, this is the kingdom. This is God. This is what Jesus did. This is, and it's weird, but when I used to get the paper, I used to look at the obituaries all the time, and I don't know why that was. It was just a weird habit, but I'd look that next week before the home, because we invited him back to the home group. That next week, it was like a Friday. We met on Mondays. He had died in a car accident. It was the right time. So, when the first part of this scripture I read about awaking from the sleep, did you know that you can speak when you're asleep? That you can think when you're asleep? And that you can even walk when you're asleep? But the time has no advantage to you. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you about the gift of time. Those 86,400 seconds that are before you when your eyes are opened. Paul stayed in Ephesus two and a half years to strengthen the church. I bet you there were other things that were pressing, but he gave the gift of time to that church to establish them and strengthen them. I stand here because people committed their time to Annie and I, and I'll talk about that. I'm going I'm to call Rick and Kath to, to task. <laughs> and commend them. When we first got saved, we met with some couples on Tuesday nights, and it was discipling about the kingdom of God. And they, they had families, they had kids, they had jobs, they had everything, but they invested their time in us. About, and it worked, the work of the Holy Spirit, the, the salvation message, all of that. Those were Tuesday nights. For a year, we went to... Rick and Cass' house on Sunday afternoons. And that was, I got to see a family, a Christian family. I got to see a husband love his wife. I got to see a wife honor her husband. I got to see a family, a a parenting, um, disciple their kids and discipline their kids. I got to see all of that. So I had both of these things, both together. They had invested time. I'm sure they had other things they could do. But man, I stand here, and Annie and I have done the same thing with others. I remember uh, Kim Barnhill's nephew. I did the same thing with him for over a year. And I know he's walking with God. And it's, that, it, it's not a burden. It's just such an energizing thing when you give your time to people. It's so awesome. It's so awesome. I looked at, I remember, I, I, I don't know if he's here. I know Andrea's here. I saw Marco. Um, you guys got to go watch that team play, flag football. He's, he's coaching young kids, but I bet Marco doesn't think that that time is just there for football coaching. It's for people, and it's to give them his time. 
I do believe that. So we, re- get, we receive this gift. And we should give it back. Our time. Give away your time. Budget your time. Right? It can go like that. Be intentional with your time. All right. Our talents. These are gifts that God gave you genetically or through education or through practice. These are things that um, are, they would call natural talents, but that the Holy Spirit can breathe on them and, 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 and bring it into or, extra, extraordinary ways. Turn to Exodus chapter 35. I'm going to stay in this a little bit. It was the building of the tabernacle. And I'm going to read 30, 31, and 34. And I'm sorry, I'm going to meet these guys in heaven, and I'm just going to butcher their names. I wonder why they weren't called Bob or Steve. (laughs) But I tell you, Moses said to the sons of Israel, See, the Lord is called Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. And he has filled them with the Spirit of God in wisdom, understanding, knowledge, and craftsmanship. So this guy was pretty good, but God then comes alongside and makes it even more amazing. But here's what I believe when we give away our natural talents. I think this is, this is the crux. He also put in his heart to teach. Both he and, I'm sorry, this guy with the O in front of his name, Aholiab, the son of Ahissamach of the tribe of Judah. God empowers us through grace to motivate others in the completion of goals. Whatever God has for us as a church and our talents overall strengthens the church when we bring it into here and and allow God to help us serve. But I believe this scripture also points out that when our talents are used by God, it builds the capability of the church. Do you understand what I mean by that? So, let let me put it this way. There's some young women, they don't know how to cook so well. There's some women that know how to cook so well, that know how to cook. They teach the young women how to cook for their husbands. You've built the capability of this church and that family. It's just not savory food. You have used your natural talents through God to strengthen the church in many different ways by showing, by communicating, and by teaching. (laughs) Absolutely. We all win. Absolutely. So I thought about Dana. Dana Thompson, she was a friend of ours. She's passed. Um... She used this talent in front of us. We got in a car accident coming back from prayer one night. We were sitting at this stoplight, and we heard this squeal for the longest time. And in my head, I go, that is the longest squeal I've ever, boom, we get hit. And even that's a wonderful story because 
we went across the street into the into the uh, the parking lot, and this car that hit us was just a mount. You couldn't tell it was a car except for the wheels that were sideways. And the, I'll never forget the police officer goes, looks up at that car, looks at us. Where'd you get hit? Right here. Where'd you get hit? Right here. But anyway, that was amazing, God's, God's protection on us. But the guy comes over from the insurance company to talk to us, and Dana's just sitting there. Now, Dana's acumen was, was insurance, right? But her natural talent, I could see God through this. It was, it was amazing. He wanted to, like, strip us of, of the money. We just wanted to get what our fair share was. And Dana started, like, interjecting like a lawyer, and he looked over at us like, who's this? The ringer. And she would, like, talk to him about certain things. But here's what was awesome about this. We got what we were supposed to get, but the the deal was this guy left. She she started talking to him about how he presented himself, and, 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 and she taught him certain things, and he left. His shoulders were up. His head was up. He was like, yeah, I did a pretty good job, even though <laughs> I gave them a whole lot more money than I wanted to. That was that gift, that talent being used. It was amazing. What do you enjoy to do? What do you enjoy to do? What can you offer to bless others and build this kingdom? To reach out even to those outside the church. Ask the Lord where your talents can be used. You guys have them. I know you do. Start using them. Start asking the Lord for opportunities to give and give away. Colossians 3 says this, whatever you do, do heartily as for the Lord and not for men. The third area, uh-oh, he's going to talk about money. Our treasure. This church, though, I want to tell you, I want to commend you. You're amazing in the use of your treasures. But this is not about the tithe. This is not about offering. We understand these things. This gift goes beyond what we might even think or believe in ourselves. Way past. I think there are possibilities, guys, that are ahead of us that we won't even fathom. Let's go back to Exodus 35. This was the building of the tabernacle. Again, a specific purpose, right? A reason. And I'm going to read 35.5. And he says this. Moses says, Take from among you a contribution to the Lord. Whoever is of a willing heart, let him bring it to the Lord's contribution. Gold, silver, and bronze. This is Romans 12.1. Are you willing? Because I'm telling you, when this gets to the wallet part, are you willing? Right? But now check this out. This is, to me, it's so exciting. Verse 20 through 24, then all of the congregation 
departed from Moses. They went home. Hey, babe, do you want to give? I, I don't know. And everyone whose heart stirred him and everyone whose spirit moved him came and brought the Lord's contribution for the work of the tent of meeting and for all its services and for all its holy garments. Then all whose hearts moved them, both men and women, came and brought brooches and earrings and signet rings, bracelets, all articles of gold. So did every man who presented an offering to the Lord. Anyway, I'm going to stop there because I'm going to say this. That word heart and that word spirit, they're interchangeable in the, in the Hebrew. It can mean heart of man or the Holy Spirit. It can mean the spirit of man or the Holy Spirit. And I think what Moses, when he wrote this, he was basically, he saw God working in the spiritual realm of the heart. Touching the people for the tabernacle, which would be the presence of God among his people. Could you imagine? Could you imagine? It's amazing. So in verse 36, check this out. It's, it's a trip for me. That Moses said, we have enough. Stop bringing your stuff. What church says that today? Is there one church on the face of the planet that says, hey, stop bringing? They stopped bringing. He told them, you can't bring anymore. And in chapter 38, do you know how much they brought? I'm just talking about the precious metals, gold, silver, and bronze. I'm not talking about all the other stuff. Do you know how much gold they brought, guys? Take a shot. 2,204 pounds. It's in, it's in verse 38. Today's price, the Troy ounce of gold, it's about $48 million. Hmm. Hmm. 7,584 pounds of silver, $2,115,000 in today's price. 5,334 pounds of copper, 25,000. So just the precious metals, $51 million were brought. And he said, we got to stop for a tent. <laughs> that is one heck of a tent. That was one heck of a tent. And then you can read, guys, verse 35 through 38, all the other things, all the other things they brought from a willing heart, but the Holy Spirit moving on them. What's amazing to me is the prophetic picture in this. Where'd they get the money? Do you guys remember? Where'd they get the stuff? Egypt. They plundered Egypt. So the riches of Egypt used for the glory of God. That's mammon. That's what Jesus was talking about. You can't serve both. The picture of what the world values and holds on to is now used for that which is most valuable. That's this gift. And I want to say this. It's not what we give. It's who we give it to. 
for his use. Mark chapter 14. Jesus is reclining at the table. And a woman comes in with an alabaster vial or a vase full of pure nard. And she pours it on the Lord. The disciples said, that is a great thing they just did. He didn't, they didn't say that, did they? They said, what a waste. What a waste. This could have been sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor, and we would have looked severely religious in front of God. It would have been awesome. 300 denarii, do you know how much that is? Back then, a year's wage. A year's wage. God had moved on this woman's heart for the purposes of God, for it was for his burial. Now, now what Jesus said from this lady was basically wherever the gospel is preached, what she did will be spoken of. So I'm going to speculate that when the, the church came to the apostles and laid land at their feet, do you think maybe they were thinking of what she did? I'm just, I'm just asking. Isn't that cool? A year's wage. She just poured out on him for, his, for God's purpose. Mark 14. I mean, I'm sorry. John chapter 6. Jesus is done preaching. We got a whole lot of people. And Jesus goes, give them something to eat. Give them something to eat, Andrew says. There'll be 2,000. He had 200 denarii to feed these people. And, and they go, hey, there's a boy over there with two fish and a couple of loaves. Right? So this, so this woman gave everything. This boy gave to them something. Right? And Jesus multiplies it. That's what this gift does. We have no idea. We, I don't know about you, but I'm a... Uh, Number by number, by number, by number. In this gift, there is none like that. Because guess what? They picked up a whole bunch of stuff afterwards. There was still more left over. That's what this gift is. That's what this gift is. There was so much more left over. He gave some. And in 2 Corinthians... Ravaged by the Romans, the Macedonians had nothing. So somebody gave a lot. Somebody gave some. The Macedonians had nothing. And yet they begged Paul to give out of what they had, nothing. That's that same heart. The Holy Spirit moving on someone to give even when they had nothing. The Romans went through that area and decimated it but they begged Paul to give to the contribution of the saints. That's that gift. So whether you have a ton, some, or none, God still moves on us to give for his purposes and for his glory and for the benefit of others. That's that gift. And it's so exciting to me. I'm so, I'll tell you this. My family has been the recipient of this gift. When I was a young believer, I was at my apartment with my singer in my band, 
and it wasn't a good place, and there was some really bad activity in the spirit realm. And I, I looked up to the scene, and I said, God, I got to get out of here. You got to help me. I'm not kidding. That next Sunday, somebody came up to me and said, I hear you're looking for a place. Huh? Yeah, you can live with us rent-free for nine months. We'll feed you. We'll, you save up enough money to get your own place. That was that gift. It was amazing. I'll tell you this, we've also been on the other side of it. <laughs> we were at the, uh, the Artisan. We had a conference. What was the name of that conference? Convergence. Convergence. Thank you. Terry Kruger was, pre- was preaching, and Anne started just crying. I'm like, I mean, it really wasn't that, you know. <laughs> Why you could, wow. This must be... And then, and then another lady started crying, and another person. And Terry just stood back, and he says, um, I'm going to chill for a sec. I don't think he used the word chill. He's South African. Um, and um, we're going to let the Holy Spirit speak to these guys and, and to deal with these guys. And Annie looks over at me. Um, we, uh, by the way, i got to preface this. We were going to Brazil this year, that year. We had saved up money. And she looks over at me, and she goes, we're not going to Brazil. God just told me we need to bring the Romes back for this. <laughs> and I'm thinking in my head, well, he didn't tell me that. <laughs> um, but I trust Anne, and I trust that she hears the Lord. And I want to, you know, I, I want to. But I still was like kind of, you know, how do you want to say it? Struggling. But I got outside, and I, I did. I got outside, and I called Todd. And Todd was listening to the prayers that we had given him when he left, right then and there. And to me, that was God speaking to me is, yeah, I guess I'm not going to Brazil. Now, I only say this because it's been years. At the time, I, probably no one even knew what we did because that's part of this gift, too the anonymity of it, right? Where you don't, you don't blast the horn, you don't tell anybody. But I tell you that because we were on the recipient end, and guess what? We still went to Brazil the next year. God provided for us. That was amazing. And we've seen other things. We've seen so many other things. Guys, open your hearts to God in these things. Your time your talent, your treasure. You know what? I know there's people here that have many stories like this. I know many people that have opened their homes for people to stay. I know many people have given away things, cars, and things like that because it was easy, because it was for God. And God always comes, comes back. And it might not be in what you think. We think, well, if I, I do this, I get this. We, we, like I said, I think in numbers. It don't work like that. It's the Holy Spirit moving on his church through this gift of giving, and it so reflects our Father's heart. For he gave everything. 
everything in his son. It can so change lives, guys. Please stand with me. This is what I want to pray for us. Because I believe part of the spiritual gifting is hearing the Lord's voice. I mean, this, that's something we can pray on. There are practical things we can do to get ready for this gift. Honestly, that's a whole other teaching, right? But the Holy Spirit speaks. He speaks the words of Jesus. He, he comes and he, we can teach on that, hearing the voice of God. Because that's so important because many times it's just my, my head. But man, when you know it, because it's here. It's not just here, it's here. And, you, and honestly, sometimes we struggle with it. Because it is God, because it goes far beyond ever, what we could ever think or do, right? Could you imagine? I don't know how much some of you guys make. Hey, I want you to give a, a year's wages to that, to that purpose, to that reason. Huh? What? Could you imagine if we could just open our hearts for that and to hear God? to actually, to, to know. That's what I want to pray. Hold out your hands, guys. Holy Spirit, in the name of Jesus, I thank you that you've come to teach us of the Lord, of the teach of, the, of these things. These are the, this is the realm of the Spirit, Lord. And it's not, we think it's, it can be weird, it's not weird. It's normal to you. I pray that if there's any fear here about this kind of stuff, Lord, that you would take it away. That it would be normal for us to hear your voice and to say yes right away, to have a willing heart, to give of our time, of our talents, and of our treasures. Lord, it's all yours. You bought us with a price, it's all yours. So why are we holding it back? Lord, I do pray for that, that we would not hold back when you say yes. You have made us rich. We are rich in you. And may we use that which you've given us for your glory and your purpose. I think it goes along with the word today, Lord, of the harvest. Open up our ears, Lord. Jesus, you said, the sheep hear my voice, and they will not follow another. Strengthen us in these things, Lord. Strengthen us in this gift with liberality. Strengthen us. Strengthen us in these things, in faith, Lord. In faith. Thank you that money's a tool. Thank you that you've given us the strength to work and the strength to, to have Lord, I know your word says that a righteous man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. I know that. But Lord, who are our children? Open our eyes, Lord. We thank you and we love you in Jesus' name. So...
Let's come to the table.